Now I'm going to need a little bit of honesty out of you this morning, okay? You're going to have to be honest with me. Sometimes in our walk with the Lord, we screw up, don't we? We screw up. We, we sin, okay? Forty years, sometimes our fleshly nature, our carnal nature rises up and we commit offense and offense and we sin. We goof up, we screw up, doesn't matter how far along in your walk you are, it happens sometimes. As we are in these fleshly bodies, we sin, okay? I don't care how much of the Bible you know, how good of a Christian you claim to be, we sin. We commit offenses. It happens, we screw up. We say something dumb, we do something foolish, we get road rage, we don't do something we should do, we get bad attitudes, we get lazy, we get into bad habits, we complain, we have outbursts, we blow it, evil thoughts can come up in our mind, sometimes we sin, it happens. The list goes on and on. Our flesh just conquers us sometimes. My flesh conquers me sometimes. No matter how bad I want to serve the Lord, my flesh wins sometimes. And I sin. I commit an offense. It happens to you as well. Now the Bible even tells us that we sin. The Bible says, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So when I say this morning, you've got to be honest with me, sometimes we sin. You have to shout amen, right? You have to. You've got no choice. The Word tells us. If you want to tell me that you don't have any sin, the Bible says you've deceived yourself and the truth is not in you. Sometimes we sin. Sometimes we commit offenses to God. You can't look over at your spouse and elbow him in the ribs and say, I, mm-hmm, he does have sins. I'm talking to you. Can't look at the guy down at the end of the pew and say, he looks guilty. I know he did something. I'm talking to you. Maybe even you did something dumb this morning. We ain't even been awake but a few hours. Maybe you've done something already. Screwed something up already. We've sinned. We sin. We all have. We all do it. It's in our nature This is a fallen world, and we have a fallen nature about us. We sin. Okay? So the question is not whether we have sinned or not. It's what are we going to do about our sin. That's the truth to the matter. Not whether I have sinned or not. It's what am I going to do about that sin. Uh, Here's what I'm getting at, and this is what I'm wondering for this body this morning. Do you feel sorry when you sin? Do you feel sorrow when you sin against God? Do when you do something you know that God doesn't want you to do, are you sorry for it? When you sin, Do you feel a sense of disgrace? Do you feel a sense of dishonor? Do you feel a sense of self-reproach? Do you feel bad when you sin? Does it make you feel bad when you screw up, when you blow it? The thoughts of shame and guilt wash over you? Now, I'll be genuine with you this morning, and 
tell you I do. When I blow it, sometimes I just I shake my head and I'm like, you jerk, you did it again, again. And I feel shame wash over me. I feel guilty for what I did. I have thoughts of sorrow and I truly am sorry for what I did. Those thoughts just pass through me. They do. Guilt and shame and sorrow and remorse for what I did. Remorse for the offense that I committed. I feel that way, okay? I do. Those thoughts just come up in me. But here's what I'm getting at. And and this is what I want us all to realize this morning. And it's very important. God's not looking for us to feel sorry. Okay? God's not looking for us to just have feelings of remorse when we sin. God is looking for something just beyond feelings of remorse. God's looking for something just beyond being sorry for what we did. God is looking for a step beyond feelings of shame and guilt. Something just beyond remorse and regret. He's looking for repentance. Amen? That is a step beyond being sorry. Repentance is a step beyond guilt and shame and sorrow. That's what he's looking for. Jesus, in his ministry, would preach and say, Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. He would say, Yea, but except ye repent, ye shall likewise perish. John the Baptist, when he would preach. He would say, repent ye. He would tell us to repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You see, there's a world of difference, brothers and sisters, a huge difference between being sorry and feeling remorse for what we did and feeling bad and feeling guilty for what we did, for regretting what we did, and actually being repentant for what we've done, for the sins and the offenses that we committed. God is looking for repentance, not for you just to feel bad for what you did. There's a big difference between the two. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10 says, For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world works death. Now let me read that to you in the New King James Version. It says, For godly sorrow produces repentance leading to salvation, not to be regretted of, but the sorrow of the world produces death. There's two kinds of sorrow. There's a godly sorrow that the Bible says leads to repentance, which then leads to salvation. And then there's worldly sorrow, which leads to death. Feeling bad for your sins doesn't make you saved. Feeling guilty, even having regret, even wishing you could go back and do that over again doesn't mean you're in right standing with God. It does not. Regret, I I regret that I did that. I wish I could do it over again. That doesn't mean you're pardoned by God. It does not. Sorrow, guilt, and shame, those things can be deceiving. Because you see, if I'm walking with God and and I commit this offense and I feel bad about it, I want to say, hey, 
God, I, I feel bad for what I did. Isn't that enough? I'm sorry for what I did. But God is looking for a type of godly sorrow that produces repentance, that produces salvation. A godly sorrow. Because the other kind of sorrow, I'm sorry for what I did, produces death, the Bible says. Imagine standing before God someday. You know, we, we all have to. We all as individuals will stand before God on judgment day, however it's going to be. Imagine standing before him and saying, Lord, I'm sorry that I didn't obey your word. I truly am. I feel bad that I didn't obey your word. I feel guilty, Lord. I, I'm ashamed. I, I should have obeyed it, Lord. Imagine telling him, Lord, I'm sorry that I neglected my wife or my spouse. I, I truly am, Lord. If I could go back and do it over again, I wouldn't. I would make things different, Lord. I, I truly am. I feel guilty. I shouldn't have treated this person that way. I'm sorry I neglected my family. and I'm sorry I put other things first. God's going to look at you and say, and? And you're going to say, that's it. I'm sorry, Lord. I really am. I'm sorry. Th those feelings of guilt and shame they don't produce what God is looking for. They don't. Remorse doesn't accomplish what God wants in our lives. Man, feeling bad over your sin, it doesn't produce what God wants in our lives. Remorse and sorrow and guilt, those are only negative feelings. Those are only feelings that we have that rise in us. Shame and regret. Whereas repentance is much different than just feeling remorse for what we did. Now let's look at a few definitions. Sorry is a feeling of sorrow or regret. Remorse is a feeling of being sorry for doing something wrong. A feeling of guilty. A gnawing distress arising from a sense of guilt for past wrongs. Self-reproach even. Now, those things are nothing more than negative feelings. I feel bad for what I did. I feel sorry for what I did. Repentance. Now, let's look at the definition of repentance. To turn from sin and dedicate oneself to the amendment of one's life. To change one's mind. To show that you are sorry for wrongs and that you want to do what is right. You see, repentance is just a step beyond. See, we have these feelings of sorrow and regret and guilt and shame, and then repentance takes it beyond that. And that's what God's looking for. He's looking for you to admit that you're wrong and then to change your mind about what you did and think, I can't do that anymore. I'm going to dedicate the rest of my life to the amendment of my life. It's to show that you are wrong and then show that you want to do right. That's what God's looking for. Not just feeling bad. Not just, I'm sorry for what I did, Lord. He wants you to take it a step beyond that. Repentance is not only, it's a, not only a realization that you did wrong, it's a reaction to what you did wrong. You realize it's wrong and then you react to it and say, I, I can't do that anymore. Repentance produces change. Sorrow doesn't. Remorse doesn't produce change. It's only a feeling that you have. 
I feel bad that I did that. Repentance makes you change because of the sin. Proverbs 28.13 says, He that covers his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesses and forsakes them shall have mercy. You not only have to be sorry for them, you have to forsake them and leave them and walk away from them and turn away from that sin. That's what God's looking for. Not just for you to feel bad, not for you just to feel guilty for what you did. He's looking for you to confess them and forsake them. That's what he wants you to deal with the sin in your life. Confess them and forsake them. Now the, world, the word says that worldly sorrow produces death and godly sorrow produces salvation. There's two people in the Bible I want to look at now. Two people in the Bible that perfectly exemplify exactly what I'm talking about this morning. Okay? One has worldly sorrow and is sorry for what he did. The other has a godly sorrow for what he did. Both men that we're going to look at commit a sin. And I want you to see what happens. I want you to see the, what these types of sorrow, these two different types of sorrow, produce in their lives. Two people, Judas Iscariot and Peter. Now, I know that we're familiar with these two gentlemen, but both of them were numbered among the twelve. Both of them were a part of Christ's ministry. They saw the Lord Jesus' miracles. They dwelled with Christ. They listened at his feet. They heard his teachings. They heard his preachings. They witnessed the things that he did. They witnessed his conduct firsthand. They were numbered among his twelve. Both of them knew Christ. They had a relationship with Christ. Now, I know that we all have a general idea of what Judas did and what Peter did, but just so that we get it fresh in our minds, we're going to start reading in Matthew chapter 26, verse 14. And we'll, we'll see what Judas actually did, first of all, okay? Matthew chapter 26, verse 14 says, Then one of the twelve, called Judas Iscariot, went unto the chief priests and said unto them, What will ye give me, and I will deliver him unto you? Talking about Jesus. And they covenanted him with him for thirty pieces of silver. Verse 16 says, And from that time he sought opportunity to betray him. Now, that's what Judas did, okay? We remember, and I'm not going to read all this for the sake of time, but you remember when Jesus is in the garden, he's praying, he has a heavy heart, and the soldiers and Judas come with torches and weapons, and they're there to take Jesus. You remember Judas goes up and kisses him, and Jesus says, betray me with a kiss? So that's Judas's sin, okay? Judas betrays Jesus. Judas betrays Christ for money, okay, to get some money, he betrays his master, the Lord Jesus, that's his sin, okay, so now that's fresh in our minds, Judas betrayed Jesus Christ for money, now let's move on to Peter, what he did, okay, Matthew chapter 26, skip down to verse 69, now Peter, 
sat without in the palace, and a damsel came unto him, saying, Thou also was with Jesus of Galilee. Now, if I could stop right there for a minute. Peter, if you remember when they took Jesus away, after he was betrayed by Judas, they took him away, and Peter kind of snuck and tailed behind him a little bit. Just kind of stayed back out of the way. He follows him, and this is where we're reading that now. Now, Peter sat without in the palace, and a damsel came unto him, saying, Thou also was with Jesus of Galilee. But he denied before them all, saying, I know not what thou sayest. Verse 71, And when he was gone out unto the porch, another maid saw him and said unto them that were there, This fellow also was with Jesus of Nazareth. And again he denied with an oath, I do not know the man. Verse 73, And after a while came unto him they that stood by and said to Peter, Surely thou also art one of them, for thy speech bereath thee. Then began he to curse and to swear, saying, I know not the man, and immediately the cock crew. And Peter remembered the words of Jesus, which said unto him, Before the cock crows, thou wilt deny me thrice. And he went out and wept bitterly. Now there's Peter's sin, okay? We have Judas' sin. He betrayed Jesus Christ for money. And now we have Peter's great sin, who more or less betrayed Jesus just the same way. He denied him. Denied that he knew him cursed and even took an oath that he didn't know him, swore that he didn't know him, three times as Jesus predicted, as Jesus said that he would. So pretty much both men betrayed Jesus Christ. One does it for money, and one does it to save his own rear end. Amen? They both have these great offenses, these sins they committed, okay? Two men commit sins. We just read them. They're fresh in our minds now. Peter denies them. Both of them sin. Both of them pretty much betray their friend, their master. But let's look at what happens. We now have their sin, which we have our sins too, right? We now just read their sin. Let's see what happens to them after that. Both of them felt sorrow for what they did. Both men did. Both of them felt terrible for what they did. Both felt remorse for what they did. They had feelings of shame and guilt for what they did. Both men were ashamed of themselves. Both men had feelings of self-reproach inside of them for what they did. Both men did. Even Judas did. He did. Now I want to read to you another New King James Version. Matthew 27, verse 3. Now this is important. Listen, New King James says, Then Judas... Okay, we remember what Judas did. Then Judas, his betrayer, seeing that he had been condemned, was remorseful and brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. And they said, what is that to us? You see to it. Now, the guilt was eating at Judas. Guilt was eating at him. Shame was washed all over him. He was guilty he knew that he betrayed innocent blood. Matter of fact, he didn't even spend the money that he gave them. It says he took the money back and tried to give them the money back. And they didn't care. They said, what's that to us? That More or less, they said, that's your problem. That don't mean anything to us. Judas is feeling ashamed for what he did. He's shamed. He can't believe what he did. He, he turned in Jesus. He, he observed Jesus for years in his ministry 
And now he's ashamed at what he did. He felt remorse for what he did. He even tried to bring the money back and make it right. Matter of fact, Judas even confesses his sin to these guys. He says, I, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. Guilt was eating at him. He couldn't live with the fact that he betrayed Jesus. He didn't even spend the money. He was ashamed. He was disgraced. He knew that he had messed up. He knew that he shouldn't have done it. But they told him, we don't care. That's your problem. And then, let's read of the sad demise of Judas. Down in verse 5. It says, then he threw down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hanged himself. This chief priests in the Sanhedrin, they, they said, we, we don't care about that. What's that to us? And Judas throws the 30 pieces of silver down. And guilt produced in him, shame produced in him, this worldly sorrow that he felt. He was sorry for what he did. You understand? He was. He was sorry. We like to look at Judas as he was some sort of devil incarnate, but he was a person who felt ashamed for what he did, But the sad thing about Judas Iscariot is he exemplified the worldly sorrow. He only had worldly sorrow. Not godly sorrow, worldly sorrow. He was sorry for the shame, the guilt that came over him caused him to hang himself. And actually the Bible is quite graphic in what happened to Judas. If you read on in Acts It's pretty disgusting what happened to him. But look at what it produced. Look at what this worldly sorrow produced. We already read it in 2 Corinthians. It produces death. And that is what it manifested in Judas. He was sorry for what he did. He regretted what he did. But ultimately, those feelings didn't put him in right standing with God, did they? They only produced death. They only produced death. You know, I wonder if you read about Judas, the Bible says that Satan entered into him, okay? It entered into his heart. Now, I always thought, you know, maybe that meant he was some sort of demon-possessed person and, and stuff like that, and maybe it does. But something that also, as I was researching and reading and do all this stuff for this message, I just wonder if the devil entered into him, the world says. I just wonder if the devil was speaking to him, saying, you can't get forgiveness for that. You're condemned for the rest of your life. You're a dead man. Go and hang yourself. You are guilty. No one likes you. No one cares about you. you he will not forgive you. Jesus will never forgive you. God will never forgive you for what you did. Oh, I just wonder if that's what the devil was whispering to him. And he felt ashamed and sorrowful regret and remorse and I'm sure that Judas would have took it back if he could he even tried to throw that money back didn't even spend the money but it produced death that's what it produced that's the end result of feeling just sorry for your sin how sad that's what it produced in Judas Iscariot All the shame, all the guilt, all the self-reproach did not save Judas. Those feelings, those negative feelings that he felt did not save Judas. They led to his demise. Now Peter, his great sin, we all just read about moments ago, when he denies Christ for the third time and that rooster crows, 
The Bible says he goes out and weeps bitterly. The guilt washed over him just like it did Judas. The shame washed over him just like it did Judas. He was guilty. Christ predicted he would do it. In the heat of the moment, he denied him and cursed and swore an oath that he didn't know Jesus. And as soon as that rooster crowed, the Bible says he went and wept bitterly because the whole weight of his sin, denying Jesus, the one he loved, he denied him, swore he didn't know him. It all came crashing down on him and he weeps bitterly. He too felt the sorrow, the guilt, the shame, the anguish, having denied Jesus Christ, the one that he loved, the one that he followed, the one that he knew. So he had the same feelings that Judas did. Peter, if he could, he could have went back and like, let me try again, Lord, let me do it differently. He weeps bitterly. But let's look at how Peter reacts after he betrays Jesus. He goes out and he, he weeps bitterly. John chapter 21 verse 7. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved said unto Peter, It is the Lord. Now, this is after Jesus is crucified on the cross. After Peter denied him. After Peter wept bitterly. After Peter still has these feelings of guilt and shame and remorse. And Jesus has risen from the dead. And the disciples, if you remember, they say, what should we do? And, they say, and Peter says, I'm going fishing. Remember, that's what he was before Jesus came to him. He says, I'm going fishing. So they're back out on the sea in the boat. And someone sees Jesus on the shore. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved said unto Peter, It is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girt his fisher's coat unto him, for he was naked, and did cast himself into the sea. You see the, the little bit of a difference that's starting to manifest itself in between the one that had the worldly sorrow and the one that had godly sorrow. Jesus, or Peter saw Jesus on the shore. They said, it's the Lord. He's risen from the dead. And Peter jumps into the sea. He doesn't even wait for the boat to come up near. Like the other disciples, they actually get in a boat and come to the shore to see Jesus. Not Peter. He jumps out swimming back to Jesus. Because he couldn't wait to get back to Jesus. Even though he was guilty and had shame of sin on him. Even though he denied Christ. Even though he did that. He throws himself into the sea. The other guys come in a boat. But not Peter. He threw himself into the sea. He's swimming frantically to get back to Jesus. Why did he rush back to Jesus like that? Because Peter knows that if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Peter has a godly sorrow in him. He was guilty for what he did. He knew it. He regretted it. He was ashamed of it. But he went a step beyond that and ran back to Jesus swam frantically to get to Jesus because he knew that Jesus would forgive him for his sins. So then after Peter denies Christ, it's all said and done, he swims back to Jesus. Even more confirmation of Peter having this godly sorrow. Let's look at the message then 
that Peter, Christ ascends, let's look at the message then that Peter preaches from then on out. In Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Now Jesus ascended, he's gone. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now doesn't that sound familiar from what I just said a little while ago? Do you not remember what the message of John the Baptist was? Repent ye for the kingdom of God is at hand. Do you remember what the message of Jesus was? Except ye repent, ye shall likewise perish. It's the message of repentance. So here we have Peter, after he denies Christ, he's now adopted that same message. Repent and be baptized, every one of you. You see, because he had a godly sorrow in him. And you look what it produced in Peter. It produced in him the message of repentance. To preach it to everyone else until the day he died or was martyred. You see now, Judas, you see the two differences? Judas, with the worldly sorrow, produced death. He hung himself. And now look at Peter. Betrayed Christ just like Judas did. But look at what it produced in him. It produced repentance, which repentance leads unto salvation. And here we have Peter, after Christ has ascended and gone, here we have Peter preaching the message of repentance and baptism, and baptism in the Holy Spirit. Amen? Do you see the two differences? Brothers and sisters, feelings of guilt and shame and sorrow do not make you saved. They do not wash your sins away. They do not. Only repentance does. Only a humble heart before the mighty hand of God. Confessing your sin, as we read in Proverbs, confessing and forsaking. Amen? Amen. It's getting late. I better bring this to a close. Booth, if you have a song selected, you can please begin to play that. But brothers and sisters, I want us to realize this morning, this is a very simple message. There's worldly sorrow and there's godly sorrow. Which one will you have this morning? God is here waiting for you to repent of your sins. Not only be sorry for them, but change one's mind. Remember we read the definition to change your mind, to change your heart, to change directions. If you're on a path of destruction, on a path of sin, God says change. That's what I'm looking for. A sorrow that produces change. A sorrow that produces a difference. Not just feelings. Not just negative feelings. Let's bow our heads. And brothers and sisters, God is here at the altar. Feel free to make your way to the altar. Talk to Him. Tell him you are sorry and that you want to change. Tell him that you want to have a repentant heart for the rest of your days. Tell him that you want to make the rest of your life about the amendment of your sins. Father God, we love you this morning, Lord. Lord, I pray that every individual in here would exemplify godly sorrow, Lord, not worldly sorrow. Lord, we see what worldly sorrow produces. It produces death. Lord, I pray that every individual here would have an ex- a relationship with you, Father God. A relationship that would lead to repentance 
and repentance leads unto salvation. Father God, be with us even now, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah.